We love you, Lord. It's in your holy name we say. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Why don't you guys say hi to one another, and you guys may be seated. From the backyard to Glendora, here we are. Um, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's a pleasure, it's an honor to be able to teach to you guys this morning. Uh, this is the plant of Redeemed Church Fellowship, and uh, who knows what the Lord's going to do. Um, I just I want to put them on blast this morning because he influenced my life in an in a extreme and beautiful way. Mikey Sanchez, I, he used to teach a Bible study in San Dimas in the backyard, and I watched him uh, week after week uh, just go up there, and it didn't matter how many people were there and or who was listening, and, but he taught the word, and that those seeds were planted. And I followed suit. We started the Bible study in the... Uh, Friday nights in my backyard, I remember at my parents' house, praise the Lord for them, because then when we tried to start a church in January 2020, who would have thought that three months later, everything would get shut down, and we'd go back to the home, and it was cool, because in the moment, I was, you know, I shared this last week, I, I, I was thinking, okay, I want to, I want to uh, start a church, and I was dating Lisette at the time. And the Lord said, no. Yes, woo, amen to that. Uh, but the Lord said, no, you're not going to start a church yet. You're going to get a wife. And then once we were married, I was like, okay. Well, as we were preparing to get married, I was like, okay, now I got to get a home. And then the Lord said, no, you're not going to get a home. You're going to start a church. So that's where we're at this morning. This is what the Lord has done. He has brought us here to this place. I wanted to teach you guys this morning on the cost of discipleship. In Luke chapter 9, if you guys will have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be reading uh, out of a, a portion of Scripture that's been on my heart this week. Um, filling this, the, the call and the responsibility grow in my life. Uh, this, this message, this portion of scripture that I, I'm about to read to you guys this morning, it, it ministers to me. On a side note, at Redeemed Church, we go through the Bible. So we are going through the book of Luke. We happen to be in Luke chapter 9, but we're not at verse 57 yet. So if you guys have been with me, sorry, we're skipping ahead a little bit for today. But I want to read verses 57 through 62 to you guys. It says in Luke chapter 9, verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, 
Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. In this portion of scripture, I titled my study today, The Cost of Discipleship. A man, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, has a great book on this entire passage in depth on what it means to be a disciple, a disciple not just of anyone, but of Jesus, the Savior, the God-man who created all things. When we look at the portion in verse 57, we're we're just going to jump right into it. It says, now as they journeyed on the road, I asked myself, okay, who is they? That's Jesus and his disciples. But notice this isn't just a stroll in the park. This is a, a journey that they are on. So the answer, where are they going? Why are they going? It's actually listed a few verses before that. If you look at Luke 9, verse 51 and 52, just a little bit ahead, it says in verse 51, Now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. So why did Jesus steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem? That's the answer, by the way. They're going to Jerusalem. Why did he set his face steadfastly toward Jerusalem? The answer in Mark 8, verse 31, you don't need to turn there. It says he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. You see, he's going to the cross. Steadfastly. Immovable. Nothing's going to get him off that path. So he's with his disciples journeying to head that way. For you and me. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, the Hebrew author writes, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, this is why they're journeying now. These disciples and Jesus, they're following after him on this road, on this journey. In the Christian life, it is a journey. It's not a sprint. It's an endurance run. You see, Jesus despised the, sh- the shame. There was sin placed upon him when he was there on the cross. When he took on your sins, your and my sins on himself. You see, the worst part of, of the cross 
for Jesus, it wasn't the nails or the pain. There's been Christian martyrs who have sung unto the Lord in pain as they are joined with God in their suffering. No. The worst part was that as he hung there on the cross and the shame of the world was placed on him, placed upon his life, his father forsook him. He cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why did he do that? We know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is why they're journeying. This is why the disciples are following after Jesus. He's the Savior. My first point in this study, you must be called. In verse 57, we'll read it again. It says, Now as it happened, as they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. So whatever motive this person had who claimed that he would follow Jesus to any end, we're not sure. We can speculate that Christ saw something in this person that needed a warning. You see, we too can make claims to the Lord. We make promises to God like New Year solutions, resolutions. You see, maybe that first of January we're going to the gym, maybe that, that month, that week, maybe the day. But suddenly the, the work and the responsibility involved, it's, it's tiring. Sometimes after just a day at the gym, a guy thinks like, oh yeah, I see results. You see, even the disciples, James and John, when they argued to sit next to Jesus in heaven, they told the Lord that they were ready to drink of the same cup which Jesus drank, and they didn't understand what Jesus was going to be doing. You see, they were making those claims. They were putting themselves in that position. We're ready. We're ready to go out. Not understanding the sacrifice. See, one thing missing in this conversation between Jesus and this would-be disciple is firstly, the Lord must call us. See, as believers, we do not want to put ourselves in a position God has never called us to. Now, maybe right now some of you guys are wondering, well, I don't, I don't know if the Lord has called me. Well, I'll choose the Lord, and I guarantee you he's called you. If we put ourselves in that position that God's never called us to, we're just going to be frustrated. If one of you were to tell me, Salvador, I quit my job to come work at Redeem full-time, I'd be like, man, you're going to be broke. God bless you. You need to go get your job back because... We don't have positions right now. You see, sometimes we try to save the world by doing so much and we think we are being effective, but the reality is we're not having the right impact because we're not doing what God has planned us to do. It was Charles Spurgeon who said, do not enter the ministry if you can help it. If any in this room could be content to be a newspaper editor or a grocer or a farmer or a doctor, or a lawyer, or a senator, or a king, in the name of heaven and earth, let him go his way. See, because in all those jobs we just listed, 
The Lord can call you to that job and you can have a ministry there. See, ministry isn't just confined within these four walls. You guys are at your posts week by week, day by day. You guys are going to school, to work, your family members. Why be frustrated serving in a church when you could have ministry in your own personal life and be effective where God has you? But I know some in this room right now, you guys won't be satisfied with that alone. The Lord's calling you and you feel that drive. So now there's a warning to this would-be disciple. And that brings me to my second point. In discipleship, there will be suffering. There will be suffering. In verse 58, it says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. See, this journey, it's hard. Suffering is a part of life. We all know this. But the world wants us to believe that suffering is not supposed to exist. The world and Satan want you to believe that suffering has no purpose in your life and God is evil for allowing us to suffer. But God, through his word, tells us that our suffering was a result of sin, which humankind chose there in the garden, Adam and Eve. But that suffering that we endure, it's only for a moment so that God might fashion us and in you that perfect and complete work to bring you closer to himself. You see, discipleship to Christ, we don't get promised money. Wealth, we don't get promised perfect marriages. We don't get promised successful careers and beautiful families as a disciple of Christ. We don't even get promised a successful ministry when we follow Christ. At least not in the eyes of man. John the Baptist was in prison for preaching the truth. And remember he started, to, as he's there in prison, he sends his disciples, he said, go to Jesus and find out, ask him, is he the one that we've been waiting for? Is he the Messiah, the Savior? Because he was beginning to doubt. John the Baptist got the response from Jesus. The blind are being healed. The deaf are being able to hear. The dead are being raised to life. And that was enough for John to know, this is my Messiah. John the Baptist had his head cut off in prison. Now discipleship to Christ, it does have promises. But honestly, some of these promises, I, I, I wish they weren't there in the Bible. In John 15, verse 20, Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Jesus said, In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You see, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. See, when I first became a believer, I struggled with depression. 
for a season. And I remember just wanting to sleep a lot because whenever I became conscious, whenever I became aware of the reality that I lived in, my thoughts, they plagued me. So I pleaded to the Lord to take me out of this situation. And then I came to the verse in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. It's my life verse. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. See, God uses trials in our life. He uses suffering to make something beautiful within you that you can't make on your own. You see, but as a believer, we have other promises in the Bible that give me hope, that help me along this race, on this journey. In Romans 8, it says, All things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So Jesus is not trying to completely dissuade this man from coming after him. He's letting him know the reality of following after Christ, of being a disciple. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. My third point, delayed obedience is disobedience. In verse 59, look, it says, Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now here we have the call from Jesus personally to this man. He says, follow me. I remember first hearing those words in my heart when I was on drugs, in a broken state in my life. Before I was a believer, I felt the Lord calling me and I felt him, his voice saying, why are you running from me? Follow me. And what is the response here that this man gives? He says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. See, understand this when he says this. We don't want to lose on the context that's here in the text. In Jewish culture, it was important that a person when he died, he was buried the same day. So it's most unlikely that this person's father just died that day. This was a slang term. It was an expression used as a sarcastic, procrastinating term. Sort of like, I'll go do that when pigs fly. Or how about this one? Oh yeah, I'll I'll pray about that, brother. It means no, sometimes, unless you're genuine. In verse 60, Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. So my question for myself here is, how can a corpse bury itself? He says, let the dead bury itself. It can't. So Jesus here is being figurative. It's not the entire Bible is all literal. We take it in context. What is he calling this man to, rather? To preach the kingdom of God. To proclaim the truth of where life comes from, the words of eternal life to the lost, the hope for the believer. Jesus is giving a call to someone to be a preacher 
on the very thing that Jesus loved to preach about, the kingdom of God. You know, that's one of Jesus's favorite themes. You would constantly hear him, and as you read the scriptures, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is likened unto this. Because he loved teaching us and preparing us for that heavenly place, that heavenly realm where we'd get to be with him and the Father in heaven for eternity. And what an opportunity this man is rejecting. I remember a little bit about delayed obedience. When my father used to wake us up for church on Sundays, you better had gotten up the first time he came in that room, came and woke us up. And it didn't matter if the initial wake-up call was cast on sleeping ears that didn't even hear it. If he came back into that room a second time, you were getting out of bed or you were getting dragged out of bed. I watched him do this to uh, my sister Andrea there in the back. <laughs> oh, love you, Jaya. Delayed obedience. Is God calling you today? Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Just go. Both feet, jump in. Chuck Smith used to say it all the time. Wherever you see a work of the Spirit, just jump in two feet. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, it says, As workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Why wait any longer? Sometimes we think, I'm, I'm going to get my life right, but not this week because the, the fight's on Saturday night and the boys and I are going to get together at the bar, so I'll get saved next week. See, my plan as a teenager was to get my life right when I had my first son. That was my plan as a teenager. I was like, you know what? I believe in God, but I'm not going to follow God. I'm going to do my thing, and then when I have my first kid, I want to be responsible, you know. But the Lord was like, nope, squashed me. Let all my sin just make my life a living hell. There's a, a verse in the Bible that says you could either fall on the rock and be broken, or the giant stone will fall on you and crush you. We need that brokenness in our life. Delayed obedience is disobedience. My fourth point, discipleship must be unconditional. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell who are at my house. The first thing I notice again is here we have a person who's calling himself into the ministry before we have any recording of Jesus calling him. But this guy is worse than the first. Not only is he calling himself, but he lays out the conditions on which he will enter into discipleship. A guy in ministry messes up. We hear about these sometimes. Ends up knocking back a few on a particular night and feels bad. And he tells the pastor, hey, I messed up the other day. So then the pastor tells him, okay, why don't you take some time out of leadership for ministry, sit down and wait on the Lord. And then the response sometimes is, what do you mean? I'm telling you about it. It's not like I got caught. But the pastor is looking out for their good, ensuring 
that they don't become a harm to themselves and others. They can't lay conditions on their return. When does he get to serve again? How about this? You guys hear, it's sad to say, but it happens, of a, a pastor who, or let's say just someone, a leader in the church, not a pastor, who falls away and has an affair. When does he get to serve again? How about after his wife can trust him again first? God will all follow you, sometimes a person will say, but you have to bring this back to me, my wife back to me, my marriage. You have to bring my job back to me first, God. I need things to work out for me. This isn't bargaining with the Lord. God isn't a vending machine and he's not a vendor selling you a successful life. That was what this man was saying. Let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. See, even in family matters, Christ must always be first. Remember Jesus was teaching with some of his disciples and then they noticed his mother and brothers had come. So they told him, hey, look, your mother and your brothers, they're, they're standing outside seeking to speak with you. And Jesus answered and said to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And in the church, sometimes it can happen when you have that deep family, spiritual relationship with people, so much so that you need to have discernment on, on balancing your, real fa- your blood family with your spiritual family. And why does that happen so, so easily with the Christian family sometimes, the spiritual family? It's because you're all like-minded in things that are eternal, not on things that are going to fade away. In verse 62, But Jesus said to him, Knowing, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. See, when God calls you, you don't look back at your old life anymore. See, scripture is filled with examples of those who looked back. Remember, Lot's wife looked back at Sodom and Gomorrah as it was being destroyed. And when she looked back and the Lord told them, just go. She looked back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. The Israelites, they complained against Moses after they saw the Lord take them out of Egypt through miracles. When they were there in the desert, they complained against Moses. Oh, we had it so much better back in Egypt. They had all the, the guavas and the fruits and it was delicious. But they forgot about the bondage of Pharaoh. They forgot about the whip of the Egyptian. And that's what Satan wants us to do. Satan wants you to remember all the fun that sin brings and he wants you not to remember all the bondage and the pain and the emptiness that was combined with it. See, there's no conditions with the call. When Jesus was in the garden, sweating drops of blood, he said, Father, if, that there, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, let it be. Nonetheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done unconditional and he was an example to us Jesus was our example 
In closing, I want to end on a, a few thoughts of discipleship that I wrote down. What is the cost? See, discipleship is following. All follow something or someone. Our parents were our first teachers, and we followed their leadership or lack of it. The word discipline has the meaning of training rooted in it. A higher authority seeking to mold and shape a lesser, even if it's only for a moment or a specific action, there must be submission. Otherwise, the disciple is a weak one. I seek to be Christ's disciple. What is the cost? Is there anything I am not willing to let go of? An action that I would not perform if Christ asked it of me? I would like Peter claim that I would die before denying Jesus, and yet I still fail my Lord every day. By his grace, I am covered. I am not condemned. His spirit drives me to learn of his discipline daily and in every season. The more self-denial exists in my life, the more often I carry my cross. The more I carry my cross, the more I follow him. The more I follow him, the more I realize he is all I need. What is the cost? I'm going to ask you guys this morning, we are going to have communion. Communion, we remember what the Lord did on the cross for our sins, how he's cleansed us, he's given us a new life. Um, but before we take it, the Bible does teach about taking communion in an unworthy manner, in a haphazard manner, You're just taking it out of uh, the motion of ministry. I want to ask Afi if he, he would come up. We're going to have some worship right now. And I want to ask you guys this morning, if any of you uh, want to, for the first time, accept the Lord, or if any of you, before you take communion again today, need to get right with the Lord, and you want to stand and just make that commitment publicly, we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit just lead and guide you right now. So we're going to do some worship. And if that's you this morning, just go ahead and make that stand. And then we're going to pray. Lord God, who just need to get right with you.
will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. And my faith will be that opportunity. That's you. Go ahead and stand. We're all right with the Lord and we're all saved. We're going to have communion in a moment. Amen. So for communion today, I want to ask you guys to do is uh, me and Afi are going to sing this uh, this song of worship and as the spirit leads you um, go ahead and go in the back table there grab your communion and uh, come back to your seat and we're going to all hold on to the cup and we're going to take communion together so as the Lord leads you
trampled dead Where is your steam? The angels roar For Christ the King Oh praise, oh praise the name of the Lord our God Oh praise His name Forevermore For endless days We will sing Your praise O Lord O Lord Our God O Lord O Lord Our God O Lord O Lord Our I'm going to read to you just a little bit of a memory of what we're doing when we have this communion out of 1 Corinthians 11. Paul writes this. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's all partake of the bread together. He says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup the new covenant in my blood. This do often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the cup. He shall return in robes of white the blazing sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face let's all stand
check. All right, cool. Uh, so Sal, he 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 didn't hesitate at all on on throwing me on blast. So in return, I'm de I'm definitely not going to hesitate. No, me and him. I do not recommend. By the way, people just randomly coming up here. He would not allow that. I wouldn't either. But we're, we're tight like that, so I can do that. But there's a reason why I'm up here. A very important reason why. Um, and I, I want to share that with you guys right now. You know, today was a bittersweet feeling because. You know, in a weird way, I kind of lost one of my students, you know, like somebody that God called me to pour into because I see I see a graduation of what God is doing in Sal's life. And I hope with all my heart that some of you that the Lord is really being clear to you about where you need to be, um, and that this isn't just a, hey, let me come and check this out. But that this is something that you allow the Lord to speak to you about what what new work he wants to do, not only in your life, but in, in you know, in God's people. So. But, but that's not the reason why I'm up here. The reason why I'm up here is because, because this is opening day. I know that the, 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 the attacks will be great on, on you guys as, as a people. But no greater attacks will there be than the ones that will be on, on sale. Right? So I understand that. And I'm not sure that everybody does. Right? So I'm sharing with you that because I want you to be in prayer for him. And, and I think that today's service would only properly end if we would pray for him, right? So I'm going to ask him to put his guitar down and come over here. For those of you who feel like you've been called to leadership here, I'm going to ask you guys to come forward for those of you, just so we could lay hands on him and pray. So those that feel that God's called you to leadership, part of this ministry, able-bodied Christians. I mean, even if you're not going to be here all the time, but you're going to be lifting him up in prayer, I want to ask you guys to come over here. Um, so we can lay hands on him and pray for him. For those of you that are walking with the Lord and you're just there, just uh, join us in prayer for him. Father, we, we take this opportunity to go before you, thanking you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. We thank you not for the greatness of a man, but we thank you, Lord, for your anointing on his life. And that is what ultimately us as a people always trust, Lord. We trust you leading and guiding and your calling upon Sal's life. I pray for redeemed church. I pray that you would bless this place and that you would allow it to be impactful in the people who are here and in this community. And for those that are called to serve here, Lord, I pray that you protect them and you keep it in their heart, Lord, that their loyalty is to you and that they're here to help. I pray for, for protection around Sal, his marriage, for Lisette, for their family, and for the families that are represented here. And we ask for you to do a new work, a good work, and we trust you with everything, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more song of uh, of worship before you guys all go. And now I'm going to ask you guys to all stand for the last song. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. As a country, we are coming out of a pandemic that the Lord allowed us to go through. 
crazy year. And now we're, we're here, we're meeting together again. It's crazy to see people without masks in a room this close. We trust the Lord in all things. So be blessed. Know that the Lord has a plan for your life, that he loves you so much. I'm going to pray one more time for you guys. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with your people, Lord. That you would guide them, Father, in their marriages, guide them, Father, in their families, their schooling, Lord, their work. I pray, Father, you would confirm those callings that you put in their heart, Lord. And may we follow you, Lord. I pray for revival in this city, Lord. Revival in ourselves. And Lord God, we give you all the glory. You are worthy to be praised. You are beautiful. You are wonderful. It's in Jesus' name we say. You 
down your life that I would be set free whoa Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me One more announcement I almost forgot to mention. This Friday, I am going to be uh, starting a men's Bible study here on Friday nights, 7 p.m. You guys are more than welcome. Ladies, sorry. Um, but I'm sure you guys are going to have something starting up real soon. We've had some talks about that. So we'll be here Friday night, 7 p.m. Other than that, we'll see you guys on Sunday morning next week, 11 a.m. So we love you guys and God bless.